This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. Great to be back. I'm, um, I'm not here often enough, and a lot of you come and go, but it's great to see some familiar faces and some continuity. Um, I, I usually sort of do a survey um, of how many of you have visited us in Swanetti. So let's have a show of hands, please. It's not so many now because uh, of this crazy time that we're living in, but we get that, and that's okay. Um, our doors are always open, summer or winter or any other season. So, um, first thing I want to do is give you um, a big welcome for my wife, Lali, um, whose name in English means Ruby, and she is certainly a precious one to me. Um, she is up there overseeing some uh, building work that we're doing, which I'll be showing you pictures of shortly. Um, it's rare that both of us are here in Tbilisi at the same time, but so it's my turn this time. Um, and also, she teaches English up there. In, in the village school, and several other hats as well. Also, a great big thank you to this church, which supports us and prays for us and ministers to us and with us up there. Um, we, we do thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of that because it means a lot to us. Um, we are partnering with you and others to, to minister to the, the Swan people of, of Swaneti. Um, so thank you for all of that. Our last team that we hosted, uh, because of the virus, kind of got out as the virus was picking up steam in, uh, in mid-March last year. And that was a team from YWAM, or Youth with a Mission, all the way from Australia. And uh, they, were, they were with us for two or three weeks. Um, and one of the things that they, that they got to do, which was... Which was life-changing at the time was, you know, these little um, sports stadiums that are being built in different parts of cities and outside schools and stuff like that, sort of a, um, a, a fence or a, 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 an enclosure with usually football nets inside or soccer nets or whatever, um, and AstroTurf for, for kids to play on. Well, we, we have one of those. And in March last year, it was about that deep in snow as it usually is at that time of year. And this team of people, some of whom had never seen snow in their lives before from Australia, um, they, they could understand that the local kids, especially the boys, really wanted that, that thing cleared as soon as possible to start playing soccer on it because school was out. It was, you know, there wasn't any school in the school because of the virus. So that team, I calculated. First of all, I, 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 I rounded up all the shovels and wheelbarrows from our neighbors that I could, brought them to the team and said, here you go, this is, this is the thing, this is what you get to do. And then I measured the amount of snow, and I looked online the average weight of a cubic meter of snow. Those guys, 12 team members, over the course of a week, moved about 125 metric tons of snow. <laughs> you know, because the football stadium is, is at least the size of this room, if not bigger, and it's this deep in snow. You know, 
And they just went for it. And after that week of doing that, they still had energy to play football with these kids and volleyball with the young men and just have a blast. You know, they summoned up the energy to, to do all that as well. It was a fantastic time. And it really showed the village their love. And they got to do a lot of actual ministry, actual sharing the word and sharing their faith. But that was one very practical thing that they were doing. So it's an example of the kinds of things that teams can do when they come up to us, along with um, showing us Indian dancing, right, Subin? Which, which the local kids absolutely love. They go crazy, you know, to, to see it not on TV, but live in front of me, you know. And they don't care if you don't know what you're doing, you know. Just make it look Indian and they'll be fine, you know, <laughs> honestly. And we've had a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, people from the subcontinent on our teams over the years, some more than once. And that's been a fantastic time for people who've never seen um, anything outside a white person before or a person from Turkey or Iran, you know. And we've had people from, from, uh, from Africa come and people from Asia and just, just fantastic multinational teams sharing their faith with the villagers and, and the children, doing children's clubs and so on. Um, we have had a few guests in the guest house, um, which, which we also run, but not so many, again, because of the virus. Um, so from March last year until May this year, we had zero guests. Um, and then we started getting some guests again this summer, so that's been good. Not as many as usual, but still, it's, it's picking up, which is, which is great to see. Um, we, we are especially blessed when guests come to us who are believers. Um, because we get to have fellowship with them. But any guests who, who have open ears, we, we will share our faith with as we can in, in, in various different ways. Um, uh, where are we? Um, we have two books. One of the things that we do with our organization, which is Operation Mobilization, or OM, we, um, we translate and print and distribute Christian books in, uh, mostly in Georgian for the Georgian church or for non-believers. So some of the books are evangelistic books. So um, one of the ones that's uh, being laid out at the moment, having gone through translation already, is called Liberty to the Captives. And this is a book by an Anglican uh, uh, pastor, um, and he is writing to people who've come out of Islam and want to become completely free of the, the bondage of living in Islam, living as a Muslim. So it's, it's how to pray your, um, through that whole process and, and, um, and how to, to just really make, make the transition from Islam to, to Christianity, not just by what you've said and what you've believed, but throwing off the shackles of all of that that, that might have been your entire life and your entire heritage. You know, it, it can be a big thing. And so this book is being translated into Georgian for Georgian former Muslims who, who are coming to faith. Um, we're also going to be doing a second printing of the Action Bible, which is our biggest ever thing that we've printed. It's, uh, it's about half the size of this, uh, this lectern here and about that thick. And full color every page because it's a comic book version of the Bible. Um, and glossy, glossy full color uh, paper and, uh, and a hardback cover. So it's a big deal and uh, very expensive, but one church in America raised a couple of tens of thousands of dollars to send to us for the, for the second printing of that book, which is huge, and we're really excited. Um, 
What's going to happen is that Cezanne Printers, which is um, across the road from Didubay Metro, will be doing it. They're the best printer in the Caucasus. They, they printed the first run as well. And um, for about a week, they'll be able to hold the, the whole print run in its boxes and, and uh, wrapped up in, in packages. And people will be able to come from Tbilisi, from all the other churches, and, get, and take the amount that they want. It's all free. And, and, and store it in their churches, in their homes, to distribute um, wherever they want to. Um, so I will be certain to let you guys know when that's going to happen. It's not happening yet. Um, we're trying to be careful, sort of balancing the need for the book with, a, with sensitivity to, to not uh, providing a super spreader virus event kind of thing. You know, that's what we don't want to have happen because people are going to be showing up all week long um, from, from all over Georgia, believers, to pick up their, their book and greeting each other and so on. And, and we just don't want the virus to spread because we handed out a book, you know. So, but the book is necessary and it's been very well received the first run and very, very um, much demand for a second run of between two and 3,000 copies is, is what we're hoping for. So we're really thrilled about that. It's a thing for for children and young people to, to read the Bible in a way that they, they pro probably could not imagine doing as a comic book. And, uh, yeah, the Orthodox Church has had some interesting reactions to it, but also the young people in our village have said, listen, Mama O, listen, Father, in, in the church, we've read this thing from cover to cover, and we don't see anything wrong with it. So I congratulate some of our young people who stood up against the opposition to this book and received it and, and, and read it and are growing in their faith because of it. It's, it's very exciting. Um, I'll tell you a little, a little side project that I've, I've been involved with, um, which, which is just a cultural thing. Um, I'll be showing you some, some photographs a little bit later on during, during my preaching um, about a fairy tale that I've written connected with one of the mountains in, uh, in Svaneti. It's just a, just a thing that that I've been inspired to do. I'm a writer and a photographer, and I'll, I'll tell you the story about how that, how that came to be. So that, that's, uh, that's pretty cool as well. Um, where are we? Um, also, eventually, eventually, when we reach retirement age, which for me is just over 10 years away, and for Lali is, is um, Georgians retire at, uh, Georgian women retire at 60 officially, um, and she's about eight years away from that. Um, we're going to be handing over this huge house of ours and this cafe and this barn and this garage and this 3,000 square meters of land and um, giving it to or selling it, giving it, whatever, what, however it goes. We're, we're not sure how that's going to go yet. To people who are going to take it to the next level of ministry. Um, we're not just going to let that thing go to people who are going to um, either not live in it permanently or who are not going to use it as a base for Christian ministry because that's what we want. That's what it's for. It's dedicated to the Lord. But we are in the process of looking for or raising up um, and partnering with whoever's going to come after us. And then eventually we'll be, we'll be moving here. Um, I have started a, um, an online um, uh, study course for several years from a theological seminary in South Africa um, for uh, counseling as a Christian, Christian counseling. And I'm really excited about that. Um, it, it runs in four three-monthly um, uh, uh, semesters, and I, I'm only able to do two of them a year because um, we just have too much going on with the guest house and the village shop and all the rest of it. 
So um, about half of the year I'm, I'm studying online, uh, and that's from the beginning of this month uh, until six months from now is, is my two semesters that I'll be doing. It's a free enough schedule that you can, you can study when and how you, you are able to. But it's, uh, it's very highly qualified. You can go all the way up to a, um, a PhD in, in, uh, in whatever course you're taking if, if you want to. So um, that is going to be something that I hope to be able to use here in Tbilisi and, and elsewhere, definitely in English, hopefully in Georgian and, and Russian as well, um, just to be someone who's available as a counselor to the local community of, of believers in, uh, in Georgia, something that I think is, is somewhat lacking. So that is a little bit about how things are going. Oh, I'm supposed to be showing you some pictures. Yeah, um, we're building a cafe, so could we have those pictures, please? Um, so the very first thing that we had to do was that um, initially it was 14 tons of wood on the, on the right, um, which we had brought in cut green. Uh, you, you can't get dry, uh, dried wood up, up where we are, or even in our whole side of the country. You can only get wood that's freshly cut and wet and heavy. So it was about 14 tons of wood that was stacked there last autumn. And that is actually where the cafe is going to go. So we, we hired a, a few young grade 10 and 11 guys to move it from there one meter over to here um, and restack it so the guys could start their, their cafe building. Um, it sounds a little bit picky, but we knew exactly where we wanted the cafe. And that's where, it, where it's going to go. So next slide, please. Putting in some, uh, some uh, steel posts uh, in, uh, in cement for foundations. And the, the pits that are in the ground are where the, uh, the cement floor is going to be, and the rest of the floor is going to be wood. Let's carry on. So there is the cement floor having been poured. Um, the wood is all nicely now stacked and, and, uh, and protected. And they're going to be starting the wood floor after that. There's the wood floor coming along and starting to work on the, uh, the ceiling, and then eventually the roof will be added on top of that. We've had some cement blocks brought in as well, as you can see. Let's carry on. There's the view from the balcony with my dear wife checking it out. That's the school where she teaches English. There's a whole mountain wall in front of you, and we've got a nice big balcony that's uh, almost as big as this stage for people to sit on, aside from the, the indoor part of the, of the cafe as well. Let's carry on. So there's, there's the cafe. Um, she's that, that's the, uh, uh, the chaise lounge or whatever that she was on, the, the deck chair, looking that away. Um, so it's quite a, quite a big thing. Um, it's bigger than we intended. We, we had a 5,000 euro grant from an organization called CARE, based in Austria, um, to help us along. But it's a, it's a I don't know, less, probably less than 10% of the total cost of what we're doing, what with materials and, and paying the builders who are doing a great job. But it's a big project. Here they're just starting to put in some, uh, some really thick glass windows. Almost the whole three sides of the, of the structure are going to be windows. Um, so that's quite a big deal. Next one. There's the view from the school of the cafe and, and the house. Um, so uh, there's our single watchtower that we have in our village and uh, a great view to the north from, from behind us. Next one. There's a view going up the road that a lot of our tourists take over to the next village again. So we have all, all six buildings of our property are visible here. There's a, a little gazebo there. There's the garage. There's the house. There's the very important outhouse. 
We now have indoor, indoor bathrooms. Uh, the cafe and the barn. When we came, it was just the house and the barn, and everything else you see has been, has been added since then. So a lot of work. Um, but God has been faithful in helping us to, to get things going and improve things and, and grow things and, and build things and so on. So to God be the glory, and someday that's all going to be um, a flourishing Christian ministry center with your prayers and your help and maybe your, your involvement. Who knows? If God is putting it on your heart, you better, better come and talk to me. Thank you. This is some of what's happening in the place that you are supporting and the, with the people that you are supporting. Thank you very much. That is basically the update. Okay, now we're going to move into the sermon. Um, so let, let me pray first. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. We pray that you'll open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that Jesus will be glorified, that you will teach us and show us what you want us to see, and help us to take it on board and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, Bart asked me um, when he invited me to come and preach uh, what was on my heart, and uh, that was a really good question. There has been something a lot on my heart in these crazy times that we're living in. I, I guess you could probably agree with that, right? I mean, this feels like just an unprecedented time in the whole world that we're in. And there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of, we've had enough. We've just had enough. You know, let it be over. Let this stupid thing that we're living through just be over, Lord. But thank God, God is not surprised. He knows what's going on. None of this is a surprise to him, even if, it, even if it makes us scratch our heads and go, where is that in Scripture? You know, or maybe we found it in Scripture, I don't know. But, but it's, it's pretty wild to be living through it. I, I'm just so glad that we have God with us living through it, because um, to, to be going through this without the Lord, I can't imagine what that must be like, except maybe some of us get a feeling for that with some of the stuff we see and read and hear online. It's just, it's a crazy world at the moment. Um, I want us to first look at first, uh, sorry, Second Peter chapter 3, please. Um, one of the, the, the main um, phrase that I want us to take away from today is, not in order to, but because of. And in Georgian, that would be something like, ara rom, Aramed imitom rom. Does that sound right, Ira? Great, thank you. I got it right. Okay, so not in order to, but because of. Okay, so um, I'll read this, shall I? We're going to read um, the whole chapter. So, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. This is Peter writing. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Carry on. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Ah, what's it all about? What do you know? You know what scoffers are, right? People who just ridicule things, okay? They will say, 
Where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Ah, whatever. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged or flooded and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures, to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Let's go back to the beginning. As I said, not in order to, but because of. About these scoffers that are first mentioned in verse 5, they are deliberate in what they're doing. They're not doing it by accident. They are deliberately doing something. They are deliberately opposing God. Um, I also want to mention the last days that Peter writes about. Um, the, the people um, of Jesus' time and who wrote most of the New Testament, all of the New Testament, were living in the last days, and so are we. But those last days, okay, they're a period of more than 2,000 years now. But as Peter wrote... God is not slow. God is not surprised. God is not out of step with, with his timing or anything like that. What he is, is patient. Um, he's patient and not slow. Um, some of the responses 
that Peter wishes us to have in verses 11 to 18 are that we are to live holy and godly lives in contrast with the world, knowing that God knows what he's doing, that these last days that we are living in are part of God's plan, part of God's purpose. We're looking forward. We're looking forward. We're longing for. That doesn't mean we're living only in the future, but we are looking forward to that time when we will all be at rest, when every tear will be wiped away, when all the craziness of the world will be silenced and there will be nothing else to say except we worship you, Lord. Nothing else. All of it will have fallen away and burned up. And the only thing that's going to be left is glory. The only thing that's going to be left is perfection. And it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be boring at all. It's going to be so glorious. We, you know, um, part of me thinks that in heaven I have all these questions, you know, all these crazy little technical questions about, Lord, how did all the languages evolve? Or what, what really happened in history? But the, the, the other part of me is thinking, I might not even care to, a, to ask those questions because I'll be just kind of dumbstruck looking at his face. I don't know, but we're going to have eternity, so we might have time for the questions. But I feel like I'm going to have questions. I want to know what, what really happened in history, not all the, all the rubbish that we keep on hearing that this happened and that happened. What was it really like? Show us. You know. Anyway, that's part of, part of I'm, what I'm thinking maybe heaven is going to be like, but we're looking forward to perfection. Perfection of the universe and perfection of our own messed up lives. We are to be working towards being spotless and blameless and at peace with him, at peace with God. We are involved in this. While we know that God's God's love for us is, is complete and he receives us as we are, the way that we receive our children as they are, the same way that we also long for our children to grow up and to be complete and to be adults, and be, to be independent. God longs for the perfection in us that he wants to bring about. So it's kind of this, uh, the, this two-sided thing. I receive you as you are, and this is what I have for you to grow into, to move into. So we're involved in that. How? By, by choosing it, by saying, yes, Lord, every day, by surrendering to God, by asking God, what, it, what do you have to teach me, to show me, to do in me and to do through me today, Lord? What is your Holy Spirit going to do with my life today? How, how can I glorify Jesus today? We choose that every day, every moment. Sometimes we just have a single instant, like some of the, the prophets did in the Old Testament when they were brought before a king. I don't have any time to prepare anything. Lord, help me. Give me words. You, know, you, you don't even have time to say it out loud. Just, just an instant prayer. God, make me ready for this situation that I'm in now. That's, that's a total surprise. Don't let me say the wrong thing and get myself killed or get myself whatever opposed. Just be with me, Lord, in wisdom. That's what we are doing as God is working in us and through us. We're to be on guard, aren't we? Um, one of the things that I've been, I've been learning to be with the crazy world that the Internet is, is um, a growing natural skeptic, you know, not to receive everything that I see or read. And I, I, I try not to spend too much time online anyway, because that can be unhealthy anyway. But honestly, some of the stuff that, that people write without checking or pass on without checking in the various social media or, or whatever, you know, some of it is obviously rubbish, and you can check and see whether that is, is really true. And we need to be 
natural skeptics and not, not just take all that stuff in because it will ruin us. It will ruin us. It will drag us down, you know, and it will, it will sap our time and our joy and our energy and our hope, you know, and we, we, we do not have the luxury of taking in garbage and lies because the world is, is, is the kind of place where those things can multiply at the speed of light and go around the world. You know, we don't have to wait for a ship to bring us news of what's happening on the other side of the world, you know, that might take months. You know, we can see it happening live as it's happening, thanks to the, the army of reporters with, with their cameras, you know, who doesn't have a camera today, a video camera, you know, to broadcast live what is happening anywhere, anytime, what well, we all do, you know. So the news is, is 24-7 all the time from everywhere, and it can be overwhelming in, in the wrong way. There are things, yeah, that we need to pray for, but we just need to be on guard to protect our own lives and our own hearts from the, the flood of sheer information and sheer misinformation that can just overwhelm us. So let me admonish you to be that, to not receive everything without checking it, but to check it and see if it's really true and, and to, to try and put a little floodgate on the amount of information that's coming in anyway because we just don't need all that, all that extra information. It robs us of prayer. It robs us of time and so many things. We are to be on guard, not to be carried away and led into falling. That is what Peter is warning us of. We need to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's how he ends that chapter. Now I want to turn to 1 John chapter 3. Um, verses 1 to 3. Um, I actually know this as a song. I don't know if any of you do. Um, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of God. That we should be called the children of God. That's just the beginning of it. But it's a glorious thing. Let's go back to verse 1, please. Back again. Sorry. Yeah, there we are. So what kind of love, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So there's this huge gap between the world and him, and because of that, between the world and us. Let's carry on. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. When Jesus appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. The scales, the blinders are going to be taken off. And we're going to see Jesus as he is. No more just reading. No more just praying. It's going to be face to face seeing him. It's hard to imagine. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We are not puring ourselves purifying ourselves in order to be received by God. We're purifying ourselves. Why? Because we already have that hope. We have it. We have the hope that we are going to be transformed 
Now let's work towards that transformation. You know, it's a partnership between us and God. We can't do it by ourselves. It's not lifting ourselves up by our bootstraps. We just cannot do it. But we are involved, again, by surrendering ourselves on a daily basis and a regular basis to God for him to work in our lives. We are purifying ourselves by his strength in us, by his Holy Spirit in us. We are choosing that all the time because we have the hope that one day it's going to be finished. We're all going to be pure. We're not going to struggle with our health anymore, with our bad vision anymore, with, with whatever, you know, with everything that is wrong with our lives or wrong around our lives. We're not going to struggle with those things anymore. It's going to be finished. Thank God for that. I, I, I hope that you guys are looking forward to that to the same degree that I am because, you know, it's, it's going to be unimaginably splendid and wonderful and glorious. And thank God for that because... Wow, as beautiful as this world is, it, it's a pretty messed up place as well. <laughs> you know, and evil has sway in so many different ways that just make us go, why God, why? Like, like the, the psalmist, why is this happening to me? Why did that happen to those people? How can you let this happen, God? One day, all of our whys and all of our tears are going to be finished. And we're going to say, okay, I understand. I get it. I get it. It's all good. You knew what you were doing, <laughs> and I have nothing more to say, God, except thank you, and I worship you. Oh, God, bring it on. That's how I feel. You know, any of you out there tired? Any of you just had enough? Sometimes we all are in that state, you know, and maybe the whole world is in that state at the moment. It's going to end. It's going to end. I promise you, God's word promises you. Okay. Um, so we have this future hope, and we purify ourselves. That's the main thing that I want us to take away from those three verses. And now let's, let's turn to um, 1 John chapter 4, the next chapter. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Sound familiar? By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Sounds simple? This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already for the last 2,000 years. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. Wow. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So, we can test the information that we're hearing, the the character of the spirit that is behind that information. We can test it, you know. And it's not just for the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witness who comes to, to your door who looks very much like, like, um, like an evangelical Christian, and you can ask him or her, or usually there's two of them, or Mormons or whoever, you know, who is Jesus to you? But it's, it's really anyone who you want to, any spirit that you want to test, does this spirit acknowledge that Jesus came into the world or not? Simple test. 
and um, we have overcome. We have overcome, says John. It's not something only for the future. It's something in the past and the present as well as the future. The past is our salvation. The present is our ongoing sanctification. And the future is our glorification when it's all done. And we are perfect as we are commanded to be. We're not there yet, but that's what, that's what awaits us. We have overcome by his strength. We are seeking listeners, and we don't waste our time with the scoffers because they will sap us of our time and our energy and our joy and the truth. One more passage that I want us to look at, also concerning the last days very much, is Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. And this is a a favorite passage of mine. This is John speaking, seeing what he was seeing in heaven for the last days. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's a really good song too. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Thank God for that. I love the beginning of that passage where it speaks about nations and tribes and peoples and languages. No one is left out. You know, it's not just the political states of the world, but it's every language of the world is going to re- be represented there, including the people that Lali and I are ministering among, the Swan people who have their own language. Um, Every people, every language is going to be there. And we know that. We know that. John saw it. And that is my hope, that eventually the swans are going to get there. They're already there, but they don't know it yet. They've already been ticked off. They've already been um, marked on the, checked off. You know, they're, they're already on the list of peoples that John saw. Because how many peoples did he see? All of them. Every last one, every language is represented there. The North Korean dialect of Korean is represented there. The 
400 languages of Nigeria, the, I don't know how many, thousand languages of India, you know, um, the thousand languages of Papua New Guinea. All of the languages are there, every single one of them, even the ones that today have hardly anyone left, even perhaps the languages like Cornish in Britain that are being resurrected <laughs> from a dead language back to a living language. They're all there. It's wonderful. And we're all going to have something unique, I believe, unique to say to each other about God and his character. I believe, okay, um, Jesus says in, in, uh, in, in his uh, speaking in the, uh, in, in the Gospels that there is no, is it Jesus or one of the Gospel writers, I can't even remember now, or the, the writers of the New Testament, there is no marriage in heaven. Families apparently are not part of heaven, but individuals are because Moses and Elijah were recognized by, by the, the apostles, and so are peoples. Why are peoples surviving in heaven when perhaps families are not? Isn't that strange? You know, but I believe that culture is something that God delights in, and that all of the cultures of the world, like all the individuals of the world, are going to have something to say to each other about God that is unique. You know, what are the Georgians going to have to say? Well, maybe they're going to be the Toastmasters at the, uh, at the wedding feast. You know, and for once, it's going to be an event that will be perfectly ordered, and people are not going to be getting drunk and falling over each other and insulting each other and fighting each other like sometimes happens at Georgian feasts. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. You know, and the other thing that the Georgians are going to be doing is they're going to be high on the list of, of choirs, I can tell you that. You know, and my village choir that won a, a, um, a national competition of 400 village choirs we won first place. We're going to be there too. Little Riho Village Choir from Etseri Swaneti is going to be up there. Please God, you know, singing their hearts out in the Swan language, you know, that no one else can, can touch, you know. And we, every single one of our peoples, every single one of our languages and cultures is going to have something unique to say about God. Isn't that an incredible picture, an incredible tapestry of what it's going to be like? You know, it's going to be so amazing and it'll be We'll have time because we have eternity. You know, we'll have time to listen to each other and to hear each other and to make our presentation from our side, from our point of view as individuals and as peoples. So my, my interest in the swans, it doesn't come from, from this. It's not something that I have to force myself to, to drum up. I'm just naturally interested in who they are as a people, in their history, in their culture, in their language, which I'm, I'm not getting very far in, in learning, but thank God they all speak Georgian as a, as a, a second mother tongue. Because let me tell you, Swan makes Georgian look easy. <laughs> there are four dialects of Swan, and between them they have 18 vowels. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, and they have, they have a sound that makes k sound easy, that people like Ira and my wife cannot say, <laughs> because it's, it's further back in the throat. Maybe if you're an Arabic speaker, you can say it, but it really sounds like you're choking when you say it. Ah! So anyway, yeah. So I'm not very far with the language, but I, I delight in learning about Swan history and, and culture and all of their ways and the fact that maybe the golden fleece that's mentioned in the, in the legend of Jason and the Argonauts comes from the way that, that Swans used to mine gold out of their rivers, gold dust on the fleeces of sheep. Fascinating. That legend has a basis in fact that was performed up until the 20th century by the Swan people. And where did Jason and the Argonauts end up? On the coast of the Black Sea 
on the Georgian side, the kingdom of Colchis. So how much of it is legend, how much of it is truth, I don't know. Um, I've been here for 21 years now, and I, I guess I'm growing into kind of some kind of role as an, an, an uncle to the Swan people. Um, I've also been described by someone who, whose faith I know nothing about, whether she's a Christian or not, I still don't know, as a door opener in Swanetti. And when, when this person said that to me and wanted my help to open some doors in a few villages for, for an NGO project, I just thought, okay, God, you have just... You have opened my heart and poured something into this, into it from this woman on a Skype call, and you can speak through anyone, so thank you, I received that. I don't know if Lali and I are going to see the birth and the growth of the Swan language and Swan culture church. I don't know if that's our role up there. But I'll tell you what we are doing. We are keeping the doors open for all of you and for anyone who wants to come up. And we have, a, we have a good reputation among the people of Swanetti as people who love them and are interested in them and want to see them flourish as a people on all levels, practically, financially, economically, but ultimately, of course, spiritually, finding their destiny in God. You know? And there are things about these people that drive me crazy. You know? um, the amount of drinking that goes on, especially among the young men. Um, I mean, it's partly fueled by, by joblessness and, and, and hopelessness. I get that, you know but the amount of disorder that that brings into people's lives. You know, I've been to too many funerals of, of young men and young fathers who've drunk and driven themselves off the road and died, and all you hear at the funeral is, oh, he was such a good man, and one of these days I'm going to say something that's going get to get me in trouble, you know, because he was, an he was an idiot and he left behind a young family, and I'm sorry it breaks my heart and you people need to repent. You know, you're killing me and you're killing yourselves. You know, it's not easy up there. I'm not, I'm not going to paint a rosy picture. It's not easy. Winters are long, and the infrastructure is pretty basic. But it's so beautiful that for someone who's a photographer, I never get tired of looking out of any window in the house, any, any day of the year, any season. It's just so beautiful. Amen to those of you who've seen it. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, so we may not be the church planters, but we're holding the door open. For the Swan people. Um, I'll tell you about this, uh, this fairy tale that I started writing this year. It's, it's, it's finished now. So could I have those three uh, black and white pictures now? So this is Ushba. It is not the highest mountain in the Caucasus or even in Georgia. But its peak, it has two peaks that are a meter apart in height. Only one meter apart. They're about 4,700 meters high. Um, and they are the hardest climb in the whole of the Caucasus. People die on Ushba with alarming regularity, perhaps not every year. But, but there are other mountains like Kazbegi that almost anyone in this room could, could get up, you know, without, without pythons and ropes. But Ushba, you have to be the top-level climber who's going to be tackling Everest to tackle Ushba. That, that's what it's like. Now, um, these two little... Outcroppings here below the, main, below the main peak, they are called Babua and Bebia. You guys know what that means, right? Grandfather and grandmother. Yeah, okay. And I didn't know why they were called that. And one day, I just, I, it, it's this strange thing that happened to me. I felt like I was being summoned to Ushba to take some photographs. We can't actually see the mountain from our house. And the, the place, the village that I wanted to, to, to take the pictures from was about. 10 kilometers away. So I said to Lali, look, I got to run. 
Um, Ush was calling. Um, <laughs> packed up my camera gear in the car and drove the 10 kilometers to the village. Took a whole bunch of photographs. This is one of them. Um, and let's have the next one, please. This is a close-up of that. This is Babua, and that's Bebia. Um, he's got on a sort of a conical swan hat because that's the shape that those hats used to be in the, in the 19th century. And you can see some of his facial features. Um, she is turning back to look at him, and she's got a, um, a veil over, over her head. Um, and, you know, when I, it was only when I got home and started blowing these pictures up on the computer that I thought, you know, they really do look like what they're supposed to be. It's so weird. And it was the right time of day that the shadows made these these pictures of their faces and their forms and so on. Otherwise, they're, they're not that interesting in, in the morning or in the middle of the day or when the, the sun is not, not strong. But in the evening light, that's what you get. And I wrote this little fable about Babu and Bebia going to uh, the, the, the feet of the main peak of, of Ushpa because they knew that he has lived for such a long, long time. And they, they, they feared him because he is the... Although he's the most beautiful mountain in the Caucasus, He's also got a very uh, a fierce and difficult reputation. His character is not an easy character. And they weren't sure what he was going to say to them if they, if they actually got his attention to ask them, to, to ask him, Ushba, what is the secret of your long life? How have you lived all these, I didn't say millions of years, but thousands of years? How, how, how have you lived such a long, long time? You know, and we want... We want to live forever, not because we just want to live for, forever, but we, 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 we don't know what's going to happen in the next world, and we, we don't want to lose each other, and we don't want to lose our love for each other. And I, I'm coming from this, um, coming at this whole thing with, with a look at the way that swans look at nature and the way that they look at spirituality. So I, I'm kind of trying to approach it from their point of view. And at first, Ushba completely ignores them, and they don't get any response from them. But eventually, they, they wake him up by taunting him. You know, they go a little bit too far. And they, they've built this fire to keep themselves warm. And a little whirlwind comes and stirs up the fire and throws it into the air and turns it into a fiery whirlwind around them. And the rocks start flying around them as well. And they're terrified and they fall to their knees. And they go, okay, stop, stop. We get it. We got your attention. Come and talk to us. And, and, and then you hear this. After the roar of the wind, there's a little whisper. I'm going to whisper to you now because that's all you can bear. You can't bear the full force of my voice. You know, and he's not God. They do acknowledge the God who created Ushba. But they, they still revere Ushba as this incredible mountain. And if you see it, the presence of Ushba is, is something. It's amazing. Um, and eventually, Ushba kind of, he gives them what they want. But the way that they, that they have to get it is by being turned into stone. They will be with, with each other for, for the rest of the life of the world, but they'll be turned into stone. And Ushba also realizes that their love for each other is something that he doesn't know anything about because these, he's this hard rock of a, of a personality that doesn't know anything about love. He's just all hard and cold and fierce and fearsome and deadly. And so he thinks to himself... This couple, this, this couple and their love for each other, I will learn from them. I will learn love from them, and they will be my human face, my ambassadors to the world. And so that, that's kind of the story that I wrote, this little 2,000-word mini-epic 
about Babu and Bebia and how they came to be the emissaries of Ushpa, his human face to the world. But it's just an example of, look, there's not a lot of spiritual stuff in that, okay? You know, it's, or it's very surface level. It's on the level of, of what the swans understand and believe anyway. But I just did it for pure pleasure, for my pleasure and hopefully for their pleasure. You know, it's been translated into Georgian. I want to get it translated into Swan as well, maybe in, into some other languages, and printed in a book, um, all the, the languages together, and maybe get some local children to, to illustrate it with, with their own pictures, something like that. That's, that's my idea for how to, how to present this, this fairy tale. And it's kind of a, a, a love gift that I want to give to the Swan people if they will receive it. And so far, people have been pretty positive about it. You know, it's got nothing, nothing really to do with about spirituality, but I, I just want, but except in the sense that I want to say, look, I love you people, and I love your land, and here's something that I want to give you. You know, I hope you receive it. You know, so not all of what we do is going to be preaching the word, but, but our lives are going to be preaching. You know, the fact that we genuinely love the people that we live among. And yeah, sometimes they make us crazy. And sometimes we, we are too frustrated or we get really frustrated with the conditions that are around us or the people that are around us. We all have our own stories, you know, of, of why things are difficult and, and which things are difficult. But we also love. We love with God's love. So I just want to encourage you, maybe... Maybe we're getting close to something in this period in the history of the world. I don't know. But let us, let us cling with all of our strength. Let us purify ourselves because we have the hope that one day we're going to be like Jesus and all of our struggles and sufferings are going to be over and of all, our, all of our imperfections and weakness and sinfulness are going to be over. And we're going to be done. We're going to be done. Not just done in the sense of, oh, I've had enough, but we're going to be done in glory, aren't we? We're going to be finished and perfected. I leave that with you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word, which is always rich and always new and always for today. Lord, help us to take what you have for us from this word and apply it to our lives as the healing balm that you have for us and as the stimulant that you have for us to poke us and prod us into new life and new determination to keep on going and growing and reaching towards you like a, like a flower reaches for the sun and follows the sun all day long and in its path. We follow you. We acknowledge you. We glorify you. You are the source of everything good and everything right. You are our foundation. You are the rock under our feet. Lord, we just worship you and we love you and we thank you. We long for that day, but we have hope. We have hope and thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.